Welcome to the Courage to Change with Karen podcast, where we delve into the heart of addiction recovery and share stories of triumph over adversity. I'm your host, Karen Gardner, your experienced guide in addiction recovery, providing support for the families impacted by addiction. Hi, this is Karen Gardner. Welcome to episode two of Courage to Change with Karen. I'm so glad you've joined me today. Um, I got a lot of great responses last week on last week's episode about the power of Plan B. And I really want to take some time this week and delve deeper into that. I gave you a general idea of what Plan B, I, you know, the idea of a Plan B, what it would be, what it would look like in very general terms. But now I really want to take it and narrow in on the power of Plan B when you're dealing with a partner's alcoholism, right? And I'm going to give you nine different steps, <laughs> nine different areas that I want you to start thinking about creating a plan B for and what that would look like. Now, I don't want you to worry if you're driving, if you're uh, on the treadmill, whatever you're doing right now while you're listening to me, I have put together a freebie a little uh, checklist, so to speak, a little list of these nine items. And I've put it together in a nice, simple form. And I will put the link in the show notes for you. So later, you can open those up and reread just those nine points. You can print it. You can highlight which one you're going to work on first, which one really resonates with you. Okay, so check the show notes later. Uh, last week we read January 3rd and it was talking about, you know, are you moving in a positive direction? We're trying to get you unstuck, right? You're not a victim of your life and someone else's alcoholism. Um, so we did. We talked about that. We talked about taking any tiny action each day can make a big difference in the long run. Much more than not doing anything and then hectic you know, uh, it's a nine 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 one one moment and you're not prepared. So that's why we're going to do this today, a little delve deep. But before we begin uh, today's uh, program, I want to ask you to do something for me. If you'll please just take a moment right now, subscribe to this podcast, give it a quick rating. I think it takes like two seconds and it'll dramatically improve my message reach. Okay, if you can do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. All right, so let's get into the power of plan B. So first of all, I should tell you that plan B should not be seen as giving up on your partner. But it's it's really meant to be a practical measure to protect you and your interests. And if you have children, to protect your children. Okay, so... I don't want you to think that this is like in preparedness to leave somebody or quit helping, quit loving. It's nothing like that. We're just going to do some positive action a little bit every day to make sure you're headed in the right direction and you're able to handle anything that comes along. Okay, so here's some steps that you can consider. Step one, emotional support. Build a support of network of friends, family, understanding people who are aware of your situation. 
There's nothing worse than feeling completely alone. Someone needs to know what's going on in your life. So that's a good, <laughs> that's a good move right there. Consider joining a support group for partners of alcoholics, such as Al-Anon, Naranon, there's Gammonon. I don't know if you knew that, if, you're, if your spouse is a gambler, Gammonon. That way, you're going to have support and guidance from people who understand your circumstance. They're either walking the same path at the same time, or they're ahead of you a little, and they can warn you off any pitfalls that are coming your way from their own experience. So emotional support is valuable, and that I consider a plan B, preparedness, okay? Number two, financial security. Secure your finances by setting aside funds that are solely in your name, ensuring you have resources if you need to make quick decisions. Now, that might be tough if your partner is in control of the money. You're going to need to be really creative with this, but it's always good to have an emergency fund. An emergency fund that no one else knows about. If you're the breadwinner, and or the majority of it, or half of it, you want to keep the account with just enough money in it to pay the bills. Don't leave extra money in there. This disease is, uh, it depends on where you're at on your path here, but it can be devastating financially. And the addiction will make you do anything to support it, even steal from your own money, even take money out of the account. So be mindful of your accounts if you have a joint account, only keep money in there that you absolutely need to pay uh, your expenses, okay? Understand your joint financial situation, including liabilities like debts. You know, does he have credit cards that don't have your name on them? Do you have credit cards that don't have his name on them? Think about that. You know, how can you make this simpler? Um just because you don't know what he's going to use those cards for. So you only want your card, your name on cards that are going to be under your control. Okay. And that you're not going to have to pay off for him or her or them. All right. Makes sense. You also want to take a look at like your insurances and your cars. If you have a partner who is drinking and driving you don't want your name on that car because if something happens, God forbid, you're going to be legally responsible. If they end up harming someone else or crashing someone's car, that's going to be your responsibility. If they are using your car in your name, you might want to reconsider that. Uh, the same with insurance. You know, are they a bad driver or they got seven DUIs and, um, you know, what's happening there? Think about it. It might be better to have separate insurances um, just because of the liability. You really need to think about these legal consequences, all right, and have a plan B. Number four, personal safety. 
This is really important. And you might not be at this space yet. If you haven't listened to episode one, where I talk about plan B, this is going to, a lot of those things, go back and listen to it. It's really good. It's just a general, overall, every kid should know plan B. But this one, you know, this disease progresses. So you might not be at the phase. As soon as I say personal safety, you might say, oh, he would never hit me. She would never throw a glass at my head. (laughs) You know, they would never do that. Well, this disease only gets worse. It doesn't get better until they, they find a solution to their problem. So they might not do it yet, but it could be coming down the road. All right, so I want you to go ahead and have a safety plan in case of violent episodes. You need to think about quick exit routes out of your house and a predetermined place where you can go. Would you run to a neighbor's house? Would you, I mean, what would you do? You need to think about it. The other thing is think about it with your children. Um, you know, this, this I did, this is just good information. I, I did this with my daughter. I was a single mother. And I told my daughter, uh, she had a baseball bat in her room and I had a baseball bat in my room, a metal one. And she kept it under her bed. I kept mine under my bed. And I told her it was for in case of a fire. If you have to break a window to get out, if you needed to try to push a door open, uh, you know, stand way back and, and push this open. We talked about all the safety rules. But we had a plan set up that if something was wrong in the house, if she heard something, if I was screaming, if I was hurt, whatever was going on, if there was a, if I yelled fire, if the fire alarms went off, she would crawl out her bedroom window and she would run down the street to Trish, Trish's house. Now, Trish was also my bookkeeper, but she and her husband lived there and they were home like all the time. So I said, you'll run to Trish's house. She'll ring the doorbell. And you'll stay there at Trisha's house until someone comes back and tells you everything's okay. So I did that in case of we even had a break-in. You know, I, I didn't want her to coming in, walking in the room if someone had just broken in my slider or something and walking in on a, a burglar or an intruder. So we had a system set up. I said, and then I will run out of the house. I'll get out of my window, my slider, and I'll run to Trisha's house and I'll meet you there. Right. So we had a place to go and we had a plan. Plan B. Okay. Start thinking about that with your family. Make local emergency services aware that there's a history of violence and don't hesitate to call them if you need them. So if the police have already been there, they know you've got a history, but you can let them know we have a problem here. And this is what's going on because you don't want him coming and then not taking him. Like if you call the police and they show up and say, oh, it's, you know, domestic, settle down, everybody. And they leave, he could really lose his mind. So by pre-warning them, hey, I got an issue. And if you come, you need to take him, you know, no messing around here. So that is, uh, You know, that's good. Also, have those emergency services, the information in your phone. Go ahead and put the police in there. You don't necessarily, you know, 911, but put the police station, put the address, put the local phone number, um, you know, whatever it is. If there's a shelter, 
whatever it is, go ahead and get those emergency numbers in your phone and just have them on there. You might never need to use them and you don't have to tell anyone you're doing this. Okay, this isn't a big thing. This is about setting yourself up so you're not a victim and you know what to do, right? If something happens, if it doesn't happen, fine. What's it going to hurt having these numbers in your phone? It won't. Put an Uber app. I talked about this in episode one. Put the Uber app on your phone now. Don't say, well, I'll do it if I need it because then it's really hard. It's your hectic. You need a, you need a, transportation right now and you're trying to fiddle with this app and then you've got to sign up and you've got to put in a credit card you know some kind of a a payment method go ahead and just do it now put it on your kid's phone show them how to use it okay number five also one more thing about number four if you need to call the police None of this, oh, I don't want to get them in trouble. I don't want the neighbors to know. This can go sideways very quickly. This is a very dangerous disease. It gets worse. It progresses. People are in blackouts. They don't even know what they're doing. If you need to call the police, call the police. There is, it's better safe than sorry. Error on the side of caution, especially if there's children in the house. Okay? Okay, on to number five, mental health. Seek therapy or counseling to cope with the stress and the emotional toll of the relationship. Just like you're doing now by listening to this podcast, you're reaching out for some therapy, some support, some somebody else's experience of what to do. And that's what I'm giving you. I didn't just make this up. You know, I've had a lot of experience with this stuff. So you're doing that right now. Cultivate personal hobbies and activities that bolster your mental health outside of your relationship. Make sure, you know, if you like to play tennis, keep playing tennis. If you like to knit, keep knitting. Whatever it is that you like to do, read. Don't stop. Keep your sanity, right? Keep taking care of yourself. Also, make sure you're getting enough sleep. You're exercising and eating well. Because you'll be able to handle any situation better if you're well-rested and nourished. You don't know what's coming around the corner. So don't be pushing the limits and then the shoe drops, the other shoe drops, and you're, you have no capacity to, to handle it. Okay, so take care of yourself. Number six, and don't worry, again, like I said, the, uh, the PDF for this particular show is going to be in the show notes so you can get to these later okay number six communication keep an open but firm line of communication with your partner about your concerns and the necessity for them to seek help don't back up on that set boundaries with consequences i go into a lot of that i have a lot of information on that i'll do a whole show on that soon um, but if, if your boundaries aren't respected, be prepared to follow through. That's the problem. People set boundaries and then they walk all over them and they go, oh shit, you know, that didn't work. Well, you didn't have any consequences. And I'll, like I said, we'll go over that more in, in the next episode, episodes to come. Number seven, education. 
educate yourself on alcoholism as a disease to have a better understanding of what your partner's going through. Learn about the process of recovery and what it entails. Should your partner decide to seek help? So, you know, that's what I do on here. Sorry about my dog barking. Um, <laughs> that's just the, that's just part of it, right? Since the pandemic. Hey, no more. So I educate people. I try to explain to people, everybody, not just people with alcoholism or addiction, the general public. I'm trying to let everybody know what the illness is because it'll give you a better chance of treating it. It'll give you a better chance of surviving it. Uh, and it'll keep your sanity and your safety. So that's what I do. So if you want more education, just keep tuning in. Eight, contingency planning. This is a big one. Have a backup living arrangement in mind. If you had to leave, would you stay with family? Would you stay with friends? Would you go to a local shelter? Think about it. If you know there's a family or a friend or a neighbor that you could stay with, talk to them ahead of time and say, hey, listen, I don't know if this is going to be necessary but can my daughter and I come stay with you if we need to? We, we're going to need a few weeks to pull ourselves together, right? So have that plan. Uh, create a checklist of essential documents and items you'd need to take with you if you have to leave all of a sudden, right? Have all that stuff together. I know for me for a while, I kept things in my trunk of my car. I got one of those fireproof boxes and I put it in the trunk of my car and I put all my, like my passport, birth certificates, all the important stuff in that box. Okay. Just in case I had to go. So go ahead and just make a checklist. You don't even have to do it. Just make a checklist if this resonates with you. Number nine, the last one, self-preservation. You know, you may love your partner, but your primary responsibility is to your own health and safety. And if you have children or parents or someone else in the house, you know, that's your responsibility is your own health and safety. Doesn't mean you don't love someone, right? This is self-preservation. This disease is trying to kill them and it's trying to kill you. It's trying to kill your kids. It's trying to kill your job, your community. It's rampant. Okay. <clears throat> be clear about your limits. Recognize when a situation is beyond your control and compromise. Okay? These are, this is important stuff. These are plan Bs. This is so you're not ending up, you know, uh, in a dumpster fire. Shocked and surprised it happened, right? No, you're one step ahead of it. You are one step ahead of it. And by doing this, like I said, it's not giving up on your partner or your child or your loved one. It's actually, it, it's helping them. One of the reasons I do this is I think it's another way to get help to the alcoholics and addicts in the world. If I could educate the family, it would, this, would be, this would be better for the alcoholics and addicts. They would be forced into change more quickly. So this is my roundabout way of getting more care and help to alcoholics and addicts. This is not a, I hate 
alcoholics and addicts, you know, I hate this. I hate, no, this is all comes from love, love, my friends. And the most loving thing you can do is protect yourself and have a plan B. Don't be caught, Mach 5, hair on fire, wondering what happened. How did this happen to me? Okay, it's not a surprise. Happens to a lot of people. It's nothing you've done. It's not shameful. More people should talk about it. You know, that's just the way it is. Um, so that's kind of my checklist. That's That's the deep dive on last week. I want to make sure you have it. The show notes have the link to the PDF for this. Um, I also have another gift for you, which is a link to a Facebook group for this podcast, a Courage to Change podcast. Um, the Courage to Change podcast Facebook group. Kind of messed that up. Anyway, I have the link there. If you would like to join that group, it's a private group. It's only people that are on our same path that we're on here moving in the same direction and no one else can see your comments except for people that are on the courage to change uh, highway let's say the courage to change highway and uh, on there I'll be posting additional information about episodes you can ask me questions I'll be doing some special lives and uh, if I come across, you know, a courage to change during the, the week and I don't want to wait till podcast day, I'm going to post it on there. So I'd love it if you join us on there. The link will be in the show notes. And that's it. I love you. I will see you next Thursday. Have a great day.